What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bad Days Podcast. I'm your host, Hassan Kader, with my friend Isaiah, who's back on again from last week. And uh, this is going to be his little trial run at being my actual co-host. So that means whenever we get some new guests and whatnot, it's going to be me and Isaiah. And uh, sometimes still just me if Isaiah is busy and or has some technical problems. But uh, this might be the formula going forward. Will definitely happen. Yeah. The tech issues. Yeah, you guys might hear some some very audio weirdness if you're listening to this on Spotify and if you're watching this on YouTube, you get to visually see Isaiah freeze, slow down, and then his voice yeah. speeds up a lot. <laughs> um, we were actually already four minutes into a different episode, and I decided let's uh scrap it and start over. Um, Zay, how have you it's been, really, man? I always like hear other other folks like with their te- technical difficulties, like oh, I had to shoot this video so many times. And, uh, and here I am anyway. Then now it's like I'm actually here doing it. Right, it's you get to chill. you get to feel the struggle of a technical difficulty. I actually filmed yes. an entire hour twenty minute podcast with a girl named Quinn Resnick. Quinn is Charlie D'Amelio's former best slash very close friend, and it was an amazing episode. Um, like she, we talked about so much. We talked about that drama. We talked about her relationship with Charlie and all that. Then we got into the mental health of a seventeen year old girl, which I think is really interesting. Like a girl in high school and like. The, the detriments and the pitfalls associated with that because it is a very trying time in a young person's life. And then at the end of our hour 20, I look at Streamlabs where I record these podcasts and I notice that my audio is going up, but every time she speaks, nothing happens in the software. So I cut the episode, I press play. I had I have just an hour 20 minute recording of me talking and a girl just saying nothing. Um <laughs> And, but Quinn is super sweet. She said she'll be back on, but I figured we still need an episode for this and last week. I'm I'm behind now. So I was like, you know what? I loved the conversation with you uh, last week, or was it over two weeks ago now? Good God. Um, yeah, a long time ago, seems. But uh, I love that conversation. And honestly, we had to cut it short because of the time constraints. So I was like, let's just pick up where we left off. Um, yeah. How's Thanksgiving, man? It was good. Um, I... I we kind of broke the uh, the CDC recommendations with travel, but we all got tested. We were all negative, and we're going to a town with like two people in it, so it was fine. You gotta so know, go see my grandmother. You gotta yeah. know that you saying all that is so unnecessary because we have people breaking the CDC <laughs> regulations and guidelines, especially here in Alabama. Every twenty yeah. thirty minutes, practically nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to live live by my you know what what I, what I believe. Set a you know good what, example that no do you know what you just reminded me of? Uh, do you know Doc, Dr. Mike? Dr. Mike's Dr. a YouTuber. Mike. Uh, he is just this very, very handsome doctor. Oh, yeah, the Grey's Anatomy looking guy. Yeah. He, he literally looks like he should be on Grey's because he's so good looking. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mike posted a video day before yesterday apologizing because um, he went down to his dad's apartment in Miami to go see him for something. And uh, his friends had surprised him with the belated birthday party on a boat. They like rented out a boat for him. And uh, he talked about like all the things he did to prepare for it. He looked at the CDC guidelines on like uh, how much of it um, is permissible. Right. And, and overall, like he did it safely. He did all the things as safe as could be. But he felt like going out of his way, to, like doing something like that in the current climate, he would be feeding into the narrative of like some shit poster online who's saying like, oh my gosh, Dr. Mike thinks you can party on a yacht. We should all party on a yacht. So he was super upset with himself, super hard on himself and just ripped into him, which I think that was one of the, I mean, taking responsibility like that. I mean, you just don't see it in this industry right now. And uh, it was, it was awesome to watch Dr. Mike go in on that. But that just really reminded me of, of him when you were talking about 
I followed CDC guidelines. We were all tested. Um, everyone's negative. I just, you know, it's hard to find a sense of normalcy in these times. And I, I want to do everything I can to kind of get back to that kind of place um, right. as soon as possible. And you know, sometimes you just, you just have to not care. Vaccines but, you know, on its respons- way, right? Responsibly not care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the vaccines are, are coming and right. I, have a feel, I have a good feeling that this national nightmare is going to end soon. For sure. Oh, my God. I mean, well, it's because the national nightmare that is omnipresent in the White House is going to end soon. Yes. So. Like, like right now, we're, we're experiencing sleep paralysis with all this um, <laughs> with all this voter fraud Dude, thing. is Donald it's, Trump your sleep paralysis demon? He is. My, he, he did. My sleep paralysis demon is Donald Trump, his his disembodied head. It's him, on that, above him my... on that really <laughs> tiny desk. Did you see those pictures yes. of him in the tiny, tiny desk where uh, somebody asked him a question and he goes, you don't talk to me like that. I'm the president. You don't talk to the president like that. How dare you? It's so funny. I was dying laughing at him. He's having a breakdown. Uh, He graciously uh, conceded uh, the beginning of the transfer process to Joe Biden. But did you see the way he did it? It's actually Uh, so funny. He's going into juicy details about it. So on Twitter, he tweets out something like, "Um, uh, the president... Emily Murphy of the GSA has done such a wonderful job and out of respect for her and the wonderful people at the GSA who have been receiving death threats and all that, I have given them permission to begin the transfer of power. Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like he's He's so nice. Well, his supporters are like, look how good he's being. He's like, they're still presidential. (laughs) So presidential. And it's like, He's doing the thing he's legally supposed to do. Why the fuck hasn't he already done it? Like, what are we talking about anymore? Um, we, uh, you know, he set our standards so low that you know, just not trying to kill us all is like a, it's a pat on the back for him. Dude, it's, it's a cookie. It's so funny. It's truly like one of the most. It's depressing too, on another level. Uh, did you hear about the results of one of the recounts? Yeah, I heard that he uh, like paid for another recount and like spent a lot of money on it. And then Joe Biden actually <laughs> Joe, won by a larger margin. He got a uh, Joe Biden good. got like a hundred and twenty four something more votes, and Trump spent like that's two million dollars on that recount. Which like that's just so clearly their their strategy changed, uh, right? They're no longer trying to win the election; they're trying to plant seeds of doubt in our democracy. But like, it's crazy to be a Trump supporter. And not have any evidence to go off of. That's what's concerning me. It's at like um, my it's office every manager. Single time. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying my. I was just gonna say like. <laughs> you get, you're going. You're going. So <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so basically, every time they actually go to court, like they'll on on the outside, they'll be like, "Oh, we have all this evidence." Like that lady that just got fired recently, talking about all the. I don't know what she was talking about, like, like secret communist voting machines or something <laughs> like that. But then they're just so like they're so cowardly when they actually have to worry about being perjured in front of a court, and yeah. no one actually wants to look at. That. I think we talked about this a little bit last time. It's but it's still going on, right? So I don't know. There's like so many. It's I'm not disappointed in what Trump is doing right now as much as I am disappointed in all the people kind of gathering around him as if this is some kind of thing that's going to benefit them at all. Right. When it's actually going to like really hurt them and hurt like a little bit of a uh, power that we actually have in this country as U.S. citizens. So, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, we, we literally use the most broken system of democracy. The electoral college doesn't make any sense. We're giving 
votes to land instead of the people whatever okay to each their own i looked up there's actually something called like a like an interstate voter compact or something like that where you can kind of subvert the electoral college it's like a, a cpg gray video that goes into detail about that i, I don't know the ins and outs of it but there's like a some kind of way you can like go around it yeah but at the same time until that becomes the norm it won't be that's not a feasible way to get your your voice heard yeah. Just like independent candidates Maybe. and uh, are usually better than the president or user better than the Dems and the Republicans, but we can't vote for them because it's it's essentially a lost vote. It's a waste of time. Um, yeah, that's why that's why Bernie didn't run independent. Yeah, because he would have killed it at that. Um, I was uh, <laughs> I was getting a ride home from the airport. My office manager Kim, super sweet, came to pick me up, and uh, Kim is you know real country gal, married to a really nice cop. They live like all the way out there in the middle of nowhere. Like they can go shoot guns in their backyard for fun kind of out there. They have like a chicken coop out there in the middle of nowhere kind of living. Nice. And uh, Kim was talking about elect, elect election fraud. She goes, you hear about all the dead people that voted? And I was like, um, there was actually no evidence of that, Kim. Uh, turns out they fact checked that entire list. They started with just a few names and all those names turned up. They were either alive people and or alive people and voted and or dead people that didn't vote. But there was no dead people voting, and uh, she just had no clue. And it's not that she's dumb by any standard. She's a wonderfully intelligent woman. She's like a second mom to me on some level. Uh, she literally took my prom pictures senior year. Her and her husband came and took my pictures because my parents are a bunch of weirdos. But, um, like, that is what she believed. And then when I told her, like, she didn't argue with me. She's not like that. Like, she was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And I, and, and I was like, yeah, so Trump is suing because he said mail-in ballots. She said, we need to stop mailing ballots altogether because they just don't work. And it's like, well, they've worked in every election ever. They just have. And um, Trump's administration has ruled this as the safest, most secure election in modern American history. So um, to say that there was voter fraud, you have to prove it. You have to have evidence of it. There's actually evidence of one case of a dead person voting. But it was a guy who registered his dead mother to vote for Donald Trump. And that's the only proven yeah. actual case that's happened. And um Well, I think you got lucky because like and maybe I'm too busy being on the internet all the time, but not a lot of people are that good faith and are that willing to change their mind about stuff, especially stuff like this. More more often than not, I think you're gonna find people that like don't even want to hear about any kind of like alternate facts to Yeah. To what they Which is it's so. just crazy because like how did you get this far in life believing everything that other people like where's your critical thinking at all? Yeah, I, I mean you know, a lot of people just don't have time to critically analyze all the stuff that happens. Yeah, I just don't take anything that I hear without seeing a factual account of it or a video as fact ever, and that that's on the right side and the left side. You know, lefts are a bunch of fucking fools too, man. Uh, I can't even. Leftists are second to only Trumpers about how stupid they have become, truly. Um, and that's just in the way What do you that, mean by a, by a leftist exactly? Do you mean like... I'm talking, like, I'm talking about people who antagonize the other side and further divisibility. Because stand for what you want, but if what you want is change, know that the way that you're standing for it is not conducive to that environment. You will not actually cause and, and help impactful change in this country or anywhere if you're spending all of your time trying to sow the seeds of discourse and like having problems, you know, you're, you're sowing, um, what do you call it? Fuck everybody who's a Republican when it's like, 
Well, no, they have their values based in some whatever you want to call it, old school values, where they were born, how they lived, how they were raised, um, coming at them and roping them in with Trump supporters, which I think, by all means, tear into Trump supporters because there is something inherently wrong. And maybe voting for him is one thing. Um, and I think if you vote for him, you are either relatively ignorant as you don't care very much or you're okay with racism on some level which is a whole other yeah. issue See, i'm i'm kind of of two minds about this because on one hand like like trump is uniquely bad he's yeah. not just some republican no right but on the other hand like, like we, we can't just like now that trump's really like bad and mean and then it does all this horrible stuff we can't just forget about all the, like the past republican administrations all, all the, the weird tinkering and and, and bull crap that they got up to especially like george bush and like what he did with his like election against al gore yeah and like you know we can't just forget all the stuff that the republicans are about in order to come back to this like sense of normal i think you gotta i think you gotta plan i understand the civility aspect of it all but when someone is you know nicely legislating like your existence um and then your safety away from you i don't really care how you know how nice you have to be well well my nice thing is i it's not that i i don't disagree with you but do you think you'll get your way by standing firm where you're at or do you think you'll get your way by showing some amount of empathy and kindness for the other side because if i thought for one second i could just stand in what i know is right i show, I show empathy and, mm-hmm. so i was saying that like like when i said showing empathy i i just mean that mm-hmm. if we keep demonizing them which inherently they're doing demonic things right if we keep demonizing them and telling every person who voted for trump that they're a racist and they don't believe themselves to be racist then they take everything else that you say is false because hey you said i was racist for doing this but i know i'm not racist um that isn't positive that's not going to cause positive movement one way or the other that is just going to like fuck everything up if that makes sense do you get what i'm yeah. saying when i'm saying that it's going to make hey, people like, you angry can't be, like rude to people but at the same time, when someone's like, "Oh, I like, I just like having this Confederate flag because it's like about my heritage." Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's or, totally different. So, like, you know, I'll take down, I'll take down people with Confederate flags all day. At this point, man, this election cycle has decided to give me um, so much knowledge. I hate it. I hate being as well informed as I am now because I can't put up with like people saying things that I just know to be false. Um, there was some girl. I was making those Omeko videos that I make for um, TikTok. And there was a girl on there, she's high, just completely high out of her mind. Like, I don't really care about politics. Like, I don't know enough about it. And then later she was like, but like between Joe Biden and Trump, like Trump was like the lesser of two evils. And then like I, I did some explaining there and she goes, well, like Joe Biden once voted to have black people all in prison. What did I miss? She was talking about the crime bill. <laughs> Um, yeah, which, going, yeah. which did incarcerate a lot of African-American people. So, um, but and Joe that was Biden, like primarily led by like Democrats, like Hillary Clinton and, and yeah. no, not Hillary, but like Bill Clinton and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, her whole thing was that was Joe Biden voted to ban black people and imprison them. Uh, which was like, okay, think what uh, you want about that. Cause I'm not going to defend Joe Biden or his policies. I'm going to say that Trump is far more indefensible in, in every Avenue. And then she's like, and also, like, I don't know anything, but, like, Trump did way more than Obama ever did. And it's like, name one way where that where he did that. Where he's like, well, like, the economy, I'm like, well, Obama inherited a recession and turned it into a positive growth economy. Trump inherited a positive growth economy and put us into a recession. So, like... I had a, a conversation like this with a family member the other day. Um, 
talking about how like all these big tax breaks have really done so much good for like the 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 economy and like black unemployment but uh, this is according to the uh, bureau of labor statistics where basically the unemployment rate amongst like black people has been going down at the same rate for the past decade right and so the, you can't really attribute any kind of trump policy to that yeah and people don't really think about like the you know they don't just it took me five seconds to google like to look up that kind of stuff <laughs> i'm not like some kind of like neither of us know. are geniuses i just see something and i look it up that's it yeah and i don't read <laughs> I mean, like I don't the onion to get my news and i don't look up i literally i have not logged in on facebook in years and i probably never will facebook is the dumbest app on the planet um oh that's you know maybe, maybe i'm just a, a, a too much of a zoomer too, too much, much of a zoomer minutes, but yeah, yeah it's just a. it's very very interesting silly stupid on some level and i don't want to disparage people further um but at the same time you gotta don't vote if you don't know enough i i, I maybe that's an idiot thing for me to say it's like it's like because it's a free democracy everyone has a right to a vote i would love it more if we had people like have to like have a certain education level to be allowed to vote um i agree <laughs> Which I agree. 100%. And also, how how are they fighting this much? Trump didn't win the popular vote. Like I would give him if they were fighting and, and like crying recount whatever. If Trump won the popular vote and then he lost the electoral college by a little, he lost so badly. Like I don't, I don't understand. They're always saying yeah. like they're gonna find the votes. Where? Like I want to know. Fought like, o- like fought over the the Senate race like, and like how how close that was. And like when the Republicans were winning, they weren't like demanding a recount for any of that kind of oh. stuff so and they're like they're like the you know trump was never accepted by the democrats back in his day and, and hillary never conceded victory literally the night man she conceded she was like i yeah. concede like to donald trump <laughs> he will be the leader um it's those like cnn or these fox news hypocrisy like mash cuts that i love so much where it's them saying one thing four years ago them saying another thing like the day it's always tucker carlson and lauren ingram who i'd gladly hit both of them with a car um, they suck. They're terrible people. Yeah, look, you should look. There's like a whole video um, by Vox about Tucker Carlson and how he's just like a big phony. Like he, he, he puts on this, like, you know, that episode of Family Guy where it's like, it's like, oh, I'm Joe Working Man. Yeah. He's like that. Uh, but he's actually just like a, a puppet for the Murdochs. Yeah. Yeah. That people no, like it's... follow him and, you know. They do. There was there were these Trump supporters who were like Fox Media, Fox News is too leftist. We only listen to Newsmax, and then Newsmax like officially announced that President Elect Joe Biden, and they're like, Newsmax is now leftist. It's like, are you just gonna not? That's insane. Like nobody, if they don't agree with what you believe to be true, then it's it's left. It's not true anymore. Like that's, well, it's like you get an F on a test. You're like, no teacher. One plus one is three. I know it to be three. If you don't think it's three, your education is bad. The school you went to is bad. You are false. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't just know. just a bunch of snowflakes, man. Truly. And they get so triggered. They don't understand that we're literally throwing that term back at them. They're like, how dare you call us snowflakes? They also, I love the running gag of um, 70 million mad Americans and not one city looted or burned. And it's like, well, that's about you guys losing a fair democratic election. Fairly, you lost, and then the which to never say anything about That's like pro looting and burning down. It's the dumbest thing. Not to say anything positively <laughs> about looting and burning cities down, but that that happened because of loss of life and a discrepancy between the value of a human life based on the color of their skin and how police brutality is an issue in this country. Um, yeah, when when Donald Trump has is arrested and has his uh, 
a knee on his neck and get choked to death. And please, by all means, uh, loot riot. Let me let me know. Like you know, do okay. it. Do whatever you need to do. First, but like, send me the like video. I'd happen. like to watch it <laughs> privately, of course. And then I will come. You know, we'll loot and riot, whatever. Um, and they always say looting and rioting. But I feel like the people who are saying that were not there. I was there. I was in downtown Birmingham, which is one of the most prominent cities in Alabama, if not the most prominent city in Alabama, probably second to what, Montgomery? Maybe, probably not even. Uh, I was here where I watched the protest turn into looting and rioting, and here's what happened. It was a different group of people that came. They truly had absolutely nothing to do with it. Honestly, it was a lot more uh, Latino people than I saw african-american people and the african-american people that were looting and stealing they looked to be the homeless people that lived in that area it wasn't like people who had pulled up and then really really young high school kids which there was one guy who yelled at this group of kids who goes hey you go to hoover high school man shut your bitch ass and he like was like going off him you over here trying to steal our community he walked up slapped the kid in the face took like the kid like stole a bunch of belts from him and took it back he's like get the hell out of my street and i was like this is a movie dude it's incredible we watched them burn a building down which was terrible, but Jesus. you could tell the difference between a looter and a protester. It was just, it was yeah, night and that's day. The, that's the story, like, all these cities, like, basically, like, people from out of town basically show up and, and cause a bunch of trouble. And I don't know this and statistic then, fully, yeah. but it was, like, what, less than 6% of the protests were riots? Yeah, yeah. It, it's very rare um, that it, it eventually like, gets that. But the news and how we cover things, we, we don't hear about hey this was a nice peaceful protest and nothing wrong happened it's just like a you know that there was a the building burned down and people were killed and shot and you know yeah it's uh it is a very unfortunate time that we're living in i think that the trump administration dude i love alabama i love birmingham i've always wanted to to live here my whole life on some level and um throughout these four years and, and mainly in the last over several months since the black lives matter movement everything it's just become more and more apparent not that it wasn't like this. It was like this the whole time. That um, the color of my skin is always going to be a defining characteristic here. I will never just be Hassan Kader based on the quality of my personality or my achievements. I will always be brown guy Hassan Kader. I spent the last couple weeks in Los Angeles, and I cannot tell you the culture shock of being back here. Because over there, over here, I'm I'm a brown man first and a man second. Over there, I'm I'm just a man. I'm just a guy, you know. And uh, everyone who meets me you know, judges me and speaks to me based on the person that they just met, not their preconceptions about people who are of the same skin color and former religion. I'm not even Muslim anymore, but I, you know, I get a lot of disparaging comments based on Islam, which is like, Islam's a great religion, man. I don't know why y'all are hating on it. I'm just, I'm not a part of it anymore, but y'all are a bunch of clowns to come at Muslim people like that. Um, and it's definitely been like a big culture shock, you know? Yeah. Birmingham is, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's been a while since I left the state and I left the Southeast. So it's hard to, hard to say. Yeah. You're going to, I think when you leave, you're not going to want to come back. Cause there's a part of me that, um, I wish I could have stayed longer. I had to come back cause of work stuff, but I wanted to just be there for good. Cause I just, um, I talked to you about this in the six minutes that we lost earlier, but, um, you know, at Hoover high school, I, I'd, I'd been in Hoover city schools for 12 years and I was at, a senior, or I was in Hoover High for four years. And in those four years, I'd been around for so long that everyone at Hoover knew me as Hussin. They didn't know me as the brown guy. They knew me as just a guy because everyone had taken the time to know me. 
but I'll never be in that bubble again here in the South. I'll never be around a group of people that just knows me ever again like that. At least I don't think I will be. Build a whole community like you did, and that took years to do. Yeah, it did. And and then when I went to California, I didn't have to build a community. I didn't have to struggle. People were already there. There was no racial bias to overcome right out of the gate. Anyways, they were already just like, "Hey, what's up, man? Nice to meet you." Oh, cool. You do this. That's awesome. Like, nope. Like everyone has misconceptions. Everyone has thoughts and whatever, but it just didn't sound like they did. I don't know how else to describe it. It was just special. I don't know. Um, Well, we definitely got to go out there together. Oh, 100%. I have so much work out there now. So you're literally going to be coming with me to every other thing. Um, I did have some very interesting, weird experience. I got robbed or almost got robbed on uh, Sunset Boulevard, which is like, Two, it's it's one block away from Hollywood Boulevard, right? And uh, I'm walking down Sunset by myself because my friend canceled plans that day and I was just trying to see some stuff. I was honestly just looking for a good snack somewhere because I was just on Hollywood Boulevard and it is exactly what you think it is with just a bunch of people in weird mascot costumes in the Hollywood Walk of Fame fighting each other. I watched Mickey Mouse and SpongeBob go at it for 20 minutes and I was like, I should probably go. Nice. They were literally brawling <laughs> in the streets. It was incredible. Um so I'm on I'm on sunset homelessness, dude. Homelessness in California hits different, bro. It is the state homeless people in California are comic book metahumans. Okay, I watched. Uh, I lived in Santa Monica, so I was just on the pier, and uh, I watched a uh, homeless guy do do parkour up this railing. That like if you you go over one way, you were literally gonna fall off a cliff and hit the ground like a hundred fifty feet down. He runs up. He does this like he he does his parkour move. He swings around the railing. He's running around the railing, and then he does a perfect backflip, lands it, and then he digs a hole in the ground, puts his face in said hole, and then just lays there and doesn't move. Um, I honestly don't know if that guy's alive. <laughs> I didn't he check. Might, I think he might actually be dead, dude. He didn't move. He just <laughs> he stood just... there like like uh, like an ostrich puts its head in a hole. It was like that, but he's just laying flat, arms spread. He was gone. Um, I think he just wanted to go out with a bank. I guess so. Um, bang by AJR now the number one song on iTunes as of today actually that's literally like go out with a bang come on son but um, yeah he uh, that was interesting but all the homeless people are kind of like that in some way like they're just incredibly bold and loud and it's like schizophrenia everywhere they're just talking just screaming out of nowhere and if you look at them you make eye contact then they'll come towards you so if you just keep your head down and you just keep walking forward they don't really bother you um, which is very different from homeless people in Birmingham. Not that they bother you, but that they're much quieter. They're much more reserved. They're just trying to do their own thing. They might ask you for money, but they probably won't. Right. And over in, in California, it's just no. Uh, so I'm on the Hollywood. I'm in, a, I'm in, I'm on Sunset Boulevard and I'm walking. Also, worst thing about Sunset Boulevard. So I was on Hollywood Boulevard and I see these Mounties, these police officers with fucking horses, whatever's going on there. I see that. Then I'm on Sunset later and then I go back to my my house and I look on Twitter and Casey Neistat, my idol, the only YouTuber that I've ever wanted to meet and to become close friends with, the only one, because I idolize him so much. He was, when I was on Hollywood, he was on Sunset. Because I looked on Twitter like the exact same time, which is just, I was a block away from my hero and I didn't get to meet him. Whatever. It's fine. I'll live. But, um, happens. so I'm walking on Sunset Boulevard, right? And, uh, I, there are these three homeless people that start walking behind me. There's nothing wrong with that. You get to free country, walk where you want to walk. And, uh, you know, they start yelling the usual things. Like they just say random noises and they make stuff and they go, Hey, you, Hey, backpack. I was wearing a backpack. <laughs> hey, you got, 
You got money? And I, and I just kept my head down, kept walking. I picked up the pace a little bit. He's like, you got money? And then uh, I keep walking like five minutes goes by and the, like, they're getting closer. I can feel them getting closer to me uh, because I could hear it. There's one woman, uh, an African-American woman dressed in what looks like a shalvar kameez, which is like an Indian traditional dress with like a ton of piercings where like you could hear every like there was so much jingling around in her face and her ears and her hand that I, that's why I could hear them. And then I hear empty your pockets right the fuck now dude i take my backpack swing it over to the front and i just start sprinting i turn a corner run down an alley i probably ran like a quarter of a mile without stopping like just complete full sprinting and i made it on the hollywood boulevard and i just called an uber and i was like i'm done i can't do this anymore i can't be here anymore so i don't even know how long they chased me because i just didn't look back i just started running was this in like broad daylight uh, it got dark when that when that happened. I was I started okay. I was I got to like Hollywood Boulevard around probably like two ish, um, and then it got dark around four thirty ish. But yeah, that was an experience. Um, my friend Steve Steven Suptic, he uh, he was former Minecraft YouTuber MLG Haunt turned into Super Panic Frenzy host turned into SourceFed host then owner of the Sugar Pine Seven channel now the host of Beyond the Pine the podcast as well as. He's one of the biggest Twitch streamers in the world right now, which is crazy. Just in the last month and a half, he's gone from playing games with me with 90 viewers to playing games with Pokimane and Dakotas and Dr. Lupo and like huge big streamers. But uh, I hung out with him for a lot of the time that I was there. And uh, th- it, this is probably like the first time me and Steve actually met in person. And we're in the car together. It's me, him and James. And James is also on Sugar Pine 7 and SourceFed. And we're, we're like hanging out and talking and we're driving somewhere to a restaurant or something to get tacos. And... Uh, Afterwards, Steve tells me, he goes, Hassan, I, I don't know how to explain this, but like, you know, you were, we were all in the car, you and James were talking, and I wanted to focus on the conversation, but the moment that you entered, this era of, this is the day I'm going to get into a car accident just hit me. Something about your presence makes me so nervous that I had to just watch the road because your life doesn't make sense to me and that you are the most tragic person on earth. <laughs> it's like, uh, and then like it was, th- he told me that after I told him like almost getting mugged on sunset, he goes, how did you get mugged <laughs> in one of the most populated streets in Los Angeles? <laughs> um, which you can concur being my friend for this many years that I have like the worst luck of a human being. Um, but also the happens. best luck. Um, I have the most interesting life for sure. But yeah, that, <laughs> that cracked me up. At what cost? Right. Oh my gosh. Other so that that night me and Steve went to go eat at a restaurant. We went and ate at Spago, which is one of Wolfgang Puck's probably like twenty restaurants, but it's a restaurant with three Michelin stars. So it's like top tier food, most amazing food you can eat. And um I was convinced to order the Wagyu beef steak for hundred and sixty five dollars and it's like this tiny little Ooh. thing of meat. It is the greatest meat I've ever tasted in my life. And while I'm eating, this old guy was like the up. Japanese uh yeah, the Japanese, Japanese uh, Wagyu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was incredible. And while I'm eating, this uh, this old guy walks up and says, Hey, good to see you. And Steve's wearing a, like a, a short sleeve shirt because who cares? Uh, and he's like, Well, short sleeve shirt in November. Look at you. So y- young boy over here. And um, we're just awestruck because the guy walks away and then we both look at each other. Was that? Yep. That was Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> Wolfgang Puck, who obviously owns the restaurant, but he owns 30 restaurants in LA and Vegas. What the fuck was he doing there? Um, and that was just one of those experiences of like, I just took a picture while Wolfgang walked by because I didn't want to ask him for a picture because of COVID and all that. Um, but what an experience to have Wolfgang Puck. Wolfgang Honestly, Puck cooked my steak. What? That's that's a move right there, bro. Callie's just the, the best. It's a vibe. 
I had so much. It seems like it, like it's just so dense with like stuff to do and people to see. Yeah, like, bored so. in Birmingham means I sat in my room and I played video games and I edited a TikTok. Bored in California means I took a walk on the beach. There was like, one day where I had nothing to do. Like it was my day off from the job I was working out there. So I literally like just walked and I walked from Santa Monica all the way to the end of Venice Beach and it was beautiful. Oh my gosh. And also like I've been a content creator for so many years and I've gotten to meet people while gaming and stuff, but never in person or not too often do I get invited. As soon as I got out there, I got invited to a TikToker meetup and these people have like upwards of 5 million plus followers. And they're just cool. They're just people. And they're, they're like super cool. Like one of them is named Zachary Pince. He's got 4.5 million followers on TikTok. He's got 72,000 on Instagram, 500,000 on YouTube. He's a hypnotist. Probably one of the coolest people I've met. He's going to be on the podcast at some point soon too. Um, we literally did the walk from Santa Monica to Venice, probably like an eight mile walk just cause. And we just talked and hung out and just a, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, That's what my, uh, my brother was talking about. Like, there's a lot of, cause like you and I like hiking. Yeah. yeah, that's like one of my favorite pastimes. So, like, apparently, there's a lot of beautiful nature. Like, it's all to beautiful. Enjoy well, and and like a beach like Santa Monica is beautiful. It's very touristy. It's very beautiful. Venice is a different kind of beautiful. And then you go up the street, probably ten miles, and you get to Malibu. Malibu is one of I've traveled the world. I've been blessed. I've been to Punta Cana and Dubai and Mexico and all these places, and I've seen so many beaches. And Malibu Beach, there's this one secret cove. And it's like one of the most stunning, relaxing, like peaceful places I've been on in, in the whole planet. Truly, it uh just popped off a little bit, man. And I miss it. I miss it every day that I'm here. Um, but you know, it is what it is, mate. We're back, making do. Um, but it is definitely different. I think you would love it there. I think if you leave, nothing will ever. You'll never come back. Maybe that's the goal. Yeah. Oh, truly, I like. I don't know. I'm I'm very uncomfortable being back home. Uh, not to get too deep into my personal life on this very public podcast, but a lot of the cracked rib jokes that I was cracking on last podcast, um, the trauma that was induced there, being back home, being back in the environment where that trauma was induced, and being back around the people that induced said trauma, has been the most upsetting thing for me because I just want to leave. Like I just want to get out of the house so often. And uh, today I was supposed to have plans with a friend uh, named Anna. She's a sweet friend. And I texted them on Monday. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm back. Like turns out my, my California trip that was supposed to be eight months was three weeks. So I'm here. Um, want to hang out. I'd love to catch up. It's been a whole year since we've hung out. Um, and they're like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Hassan, I'm going to get a group of people together. Let's do it. Uh, let's hang out on Saturday. Are you free then? I was like, yeah, I'm free. And then I text them yesterday. Hey, uh, are we still on for tomorrow. Yep. Let's do it. Here's the name of the bar we're going to go to. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. And then I text them today at six o'clock and they're like, no, sorry, we just, uh, I'm tired, so we're not going to hang out. And then um, followed up with like a later text of like, but I'm here for another week and a half, so we'll hang then, question mark. And I just didn't respond. I'm going to respond tomorrow whenever I mentally do because I'm just like, just say you don't want to hang out. Why make plans? Because I cleared my Saturday, dude. Like I didn't do anything today because I thought I was going to be hanging out with them tonight, which is a bummer. Sometimes stuff that doesn't end up happening. Unfortunately, it is. It sucks. That's why I like haven't hanging out with you. Uh, because you try and make you like when you're available, you are completely available. And if you're not, you just make it very clear right off the jump. I don't have to like Isaiah said he was free. I think the the one time you've done something like that, you were taking a nap. <laughs> you just overslept. Yeah. It wasn't even like you're being obstinate. And that's no hate towards Anna. Anna's very sweet, and I'm sure she didn't mean anything by it. And in her mind, 
she's already hung out with that group of friends several times since she's been back home. They post on social media like crazy. Uh, in my mind, I haven't gotten to hang out with any of them. So it was a big deal for mm-hmm. me, but they've they've all been around each other, which is cool. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And I'm glad that they're all getting to see each other either way. Uh, but yeah, dude, people disappointing me. We talk about the narrative that is people disappointing me recently. I think I'm going to talk about the story, Isaiah. Please get into so, it. Halloween. I'm going to take out all names from this story. Um, Definitely. Only because it's more funny for me that way. We're going to give people all new names. So um, I'm going to Auburn to go stay at my friend Travis's house. I don't know why I changed his name, but we're going to go ahead and roll with it. Travis's <laughs> house. Uh, he nice. told me that it was it was the last, it was like a couple days before I left to Cali. He said, uh, you know, it's this big last hurrah and I've, I've had COVID and I tested negatively before then and I don't think you can get it twice. The CDC has said, well, we can neither confirm nor deny whether you can get COVID twice. I'm just rolling with it. Of course. Um, I don't employ going to a party, but I said, okay. I took my friend Connor and we went down to, to Auburn for, for said party. And Travis has a girlfriend named Haley. And they just started, uh, they've been dating for a couple months. They're a wonderful, cute little couple. Haley has two best friends. One's name is Karen. The other's name is Elsa. And uh, Elsa just got engaged the week before to a guy named Jason. And like Jason is the coolest guy ever. Jason's a firefighter. When I uh, when I met Jason, like a couple months before, I look at him I'm like, okay, that guy's a douche. And then uh, Travis's roommate Rohit, which I just kept Rohit's name normal because I love Rohit and he's nothing but positive throughout the story. Uh, Rohit was, uh, I was like, yo, Ro, he kind of seems like a douchebag. And Ro's like, no, Hassan, he's a total bro. And for the rest of the night, me and Jason were just homies. Like we had a wonderful, wonderful night hanging out. And the next day we all got lunch at crack or dinner or dinner, lunch, breakfast at Cracker Barrel. Once again, just hyping it up. He was supposed to be in Birmingham with Elsa later uh, that, that weekend. That weekend was in like September or something like that. Um, and I told him a bunch of cool spots to go to in Birmingham. We got along so well. And then Elsa and Jason got engaged the week before. And I was so happy for them because like, I, I like them. Like they were super nice people. And, uh, you know, I, I swipe up on, on Jason's story. Like, Jason, I'm hyped for you, my guy. Look at you locking it down. Super proud. And we have like a, like a nice little bro conversation there. I'm commenting on both of their pictures. Like I'm so happy for them. Uh, and then I go to this party. And throughout the entirety of this night, Elsa is all over this guy who is dressed up like the Emperor's New Groove. He's dressed up as the worst mo- the worst Disney movie of the early 2000s. And uh, she's like all over him and she's a little intoxicated. So you know what? I take it upon myself. I stopped drinking really early on in the night. Uh, I completely sober and I spend the entire night practically running interference. Because while my experience with alcohol is that you don't really do anything that you don't want to do at all. Anybody who says, I'm just a totally different person. They're lying. They're an idiot. They just want to get away with being a horrible, nasty person. Um, so I see it. I'm trying to brush it off as maybe this guy's being really predatory, right? Like maybe he's really like, every time I see him, he's got his hand like around her waist and like around her ass, like the entire night, the whole night. And um, so like several times I pull Elsa aside and I'm like, Elsa, wait, let me see the ring. Oh my God. That's such a beautiful ring. Oh, how's Jason? Is Jason doing good? I'm so happy for you too. Like I do this so many times throughout the night, constantly checking in on them. And they're just all over each other, all around each other. And then, you know, at a later point, I see them kiss or they may have not kissed actually. Yeah. Jason or not Jason. Um, Emperor Cusco, Emperor's new groove, literally is wearing a Cusco costume. Fuck him. He was sitting on the couch and either 
uh, she leaned over to whisper something for a very long time in his ear or they were kissing and I couldn't tell. And I was like, I'm just not going to post judgment on this. Um, I stopped like trying to actively protect her because I just needed a break from it. And clearly she wanted to do it. Whatever she was trying to do, that was her business. Um, Rohit, who is just blackout at this point, Rohit and Travis were completely and utterly blackout. It was their party. It was a big hoorah for them. They were gone. And, uh, there, uh, I like look into to Travis's bedroom. Travis is laying on the bed, already passed out. His girlfriend's in there, and then uh, Elsa and Cusco are standing over the bed. And Rohit walks his room. Cusco's got his hand around Elsa's ass as as he's done all night. Rohit, who is blackout drunk, grabs his hand, just smacks it down, and then he passes out because he's in fact obliterated. He's totally drunk, and even in that state of inebriation, he's like, "This is fucked up. You don't need to be doing that." Um, then the night goes on uh they get they get travis in bed rohit's in bed and um Haley, travis's girlfriend and aaron's and elsa's best friend uh they uh what do you call it they get ready to get going and we're in the living room it's me and Haley, and one of cusco's friends walks out dressed as the fat kid from uh from up and uh from he's russell from up russell from up uh walks up and then uh Haley's like, hey, can you tell Elsa it's time to go? And uh, he's like, no, uh, he, what do you call it? Cusco just took her into a room and locked the door, so they're about to go have sex. And uh, Haley's like, obviously, he's like, wait, stop. Can you please go, like, tell him to stop? Like, please, like, we need to get going. He goes, it's too late. It's already going down. And uh, I, it's like, fuck this guy. Fuck that guy, truly. Uh, I go and I bang on the door. Yo, hey, Elsa. Time to get going. And then Elsa's got the condescension to just be really condescending and be like, uh, I heard you, Hussin. Okay. And then she gets out and then Elsa and Haley leave. And then I was so grossed out that night. I'm so glad I'd sobered up. I picked up Connor and I was like, all right, Connor, we're going back to Birmingham. I don't care that it's four in the morning. I will drive into the wee hours. I will find a way to stay awake because I do not want to be here. But I sobered up hours before. So we were on the clear of that one. Drinking and driving is a terrible idea. Either way, that night happened. I wake up the next morning. I talk to Travis on the phone. We FaceTime for a little bit. And I'm like, that whole situation really grossed me out. It left me feeling really, really disgusted because a lot of the girls that were there were all her, they were Elsa's friends. They were her sorority sisters. They were in her engagement announcement pictures. They were so happy for like, oh my God, we love Elsa. Like we love Elsa and Jason. They're so good together. Like this is perfect. And they all just stand by while this happens. Like they didn't do anything. Why am I, a person who barely knows them, the person doing the most work to get them to stop? And uh, Travis says something along the lines of like, dude, it's not really our business and whatever. And, uh, you know, I get that you feel bad about it, but it's whatever. And then later that evening, Travis sends me a text message with a screenshot of a DM. It's a DM by an account called a burner to tell Jason. Now, a burner to tell Jason DM Jason and said... Like, hey, I was at a Halloween party in some house in Auburn last night. Your fiance was dressed up in a uh, Toy Story 3 Barbie costume, which, by the way, I didn't. I thought she was an 80s girl that whole night. It wasn't until I read this DM that I'm like, okay, she was in a Toy Story costume. That actually makes sense. Dressed up in the tight Barbie outfit from Toy Story and uh, was all over some guy the entire night and at the end and like kissing him and was all over him. And at the very end of the night, one of her friends literally pulled her out of a room with them but I know it was going down. Not my business, but I'd want to know if it were me, so I want to tell you. And I get accused of being the person that sent that message. And then the one guest that I brought, I brought my friend Connor. Connor and I are the prime suspects. And it's like, first of all, suspects to the, the only guy who did the right thing, truly. 
The main reason I didn't tell Jason is because I don't know the guy well enough to be the man to shatter his world. I can't look him in the eyes. If I could look him in the eyes like as a friend and say, Jason, I watched this go down, I would do it. But I didn't want to be the person, and I was hoping that one of those other people would own up. So this this witch hunt gets started to find out who the person is. And like I back out of it. I'm like, it's not me and Connor. Fuck you guys. Truly fuck you guys for trying to like demean our character. Not, not even demean it, but blame us for them doing something that is gross and nasty. And that situation closes. I go to California. I'm done with it. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything about it. I don't talk to Travis for a while, even though we're like best friends, but like we take a break from being close. I get back. This is a couple days ago. Me and Travis are hanging out again. We're having a really good time. And uh, I bring up that that situation really ticked me off. That like I've been upset with him because of it overall. That like, you know, I don't appreciate that you accused me. And I don't appreciate further that the moment that I said I didn't do it, you didn't immediately believe me because I'm me and you should trust me. If you're if we're friends like this, you need to trust me. Um, and, uh, he agrees and we have like a really good talk about it. And then he goes, just so you're in the know, Elsa told Jason that you made up the entire thing and made the account just to stir the pot. Cause you like to do that. Oh, like, like excuse. It's like, a terrible excuse. Jason's yeah. an idiot for not texting other people to try and find out. He's a, he's a moron for that. Um, like, why would you not do, do your due diligence? You're going to believe the person who theoretically cheated on you just at their word? Okay. You're you're an idiot for that. But um, apparently he was super pissed at me and is super pissed at me presently. And um, she's an idiot. She shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm a really nice guy. We can both agree on that. And I'm not saying, like, I'm a nice guy. Like, I just like caring. Caring about people is my number one priority. I'm not particularly mean. But if you anger me, I am also the most vengeful, spiteful, terrible human being alive. Never give me reason to destroy you because I'll do it. <laughs> like, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to do anything. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's Rohit's graduation. And I already promised Rohit that I would go to his graduation. It's also Elsa's. So I don't know how Elsa thought this through because I'm going. You know, like I will be there. And when Jason sees me, and I'm sure he's going to give me some dirty look, I'm going to say, all right, Jason, come over here. Let's talk. And I'm not even going to be the one to tell him all the things that they that she did that night. I'm going to say, hey, Jason, here's the bare minimum. I had nothing to do with that account. Elsa knows that I had nothing to do with that account. She lied directly to your face. I had nothing to do with any of the things that you heard. And while I could tell you what happened that night, you should go talk to the person who lied to your face about this part. And then I'm going to walk away like a baller. <laughs> I thought this part out of my head because it's just like the fact, why would she make me the scapegoat? That was so mean. I've been nothing but kind to her. And like, I liked her a lot. Like I thought she was really cool. And that's how they're going to treat me. That damages my reputation. You know, like I'm a, I'm a realtor. Word of mouth reputation is everything, especially here in buttfuck nowhere, Alabama, where one disparaging sentence from one random white mom spreads to 30 other white moms. And then everyone thinks the same thing. Right. So Jason is a firefighter and tells a bunch of other firefighters, oh yeah, this famous comedian guy from Alabama is actually a piece of shit and tried to break up my engagement because he likes drama. He's just like a total asshole. You know, it, it, that probably won't happen. But the idea is that it could, you know? That's so demeaning and disrespectful. And could you imagine, I, no sympathy, no pity for, for Elsa, but like, I wonder how nervous she must be all the time because she has so many loose ends she didn't tie up at all whatsoever. Yeah, that would suck, honestly. Don't you? I want to advertise this podcast. <laughs> no, nah, dude, fuck it. Because they, 
they suck, and I have no sympathy for them. First of all, cheating is so messed up. Cheating is so beyond inappropriate. You could break up with a person. That I would never in good conscience ever cheat on somebody. If I'm ready to be out of a relationship, I will be out of that relationship. And if I'm confused, then I'm not going to do anything in that realm. Like, it's just, it, it baffles me that people would even consider, you know, betraying the bond that is a relationship. And I've only had one, but like, dude, I was loyal to that relationship two years after I wasn't even with the person anymore. Like, that's the level of, of just like how much I value that kind of commitment, that kind of connection. They're engaged. It's not even a relationship. They are engaged to be wed to each other. And that's, that's just so disrespectful. I don't know. And literally, the guy was, uh, dude, Jason, 6'1", firefighter, chiseled jawline, looks like a douche, but in like a handsome kind of way. This other guy, he, he was a fat neckbeard version of Cusco. Are you kidding me, dude? You're going to fuck, you're going to fuck, you're going to ruin your marriage with the worst Disney movie of the early 2000s main protagonist. Are you kidding me? Come on. Ugh, it baffles me. But they, it was such a bad idea on their part to involve me. What a mistake. Because everything I do, this podcast, it's not polite. It's not bad of me either, you know? Like, within reason, I could have said their names, and I don't think I'd be doing anything inappropriate, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. How do you feel about a lot of that, man? <laughs> you know, you know, people, I don't really, I can't say I feel too strongly about the decisions of the bystanders, the ones that kind of let stuff happen, because, you know, I don't know that I would have been much stronger Isaiah, if I, hand to God, if I'm engaged and you see me look at another woman in in any kind of way, I want you to beat the shit out of clarify, me. Clarify, clarify that. When it's, when it's like with people I care about, yeah. Right. Um, but, you know. So theoretically, I all, know, like, like, I don't know if, all the if Elsa is Hussin, all those girls were her Isaiah. And none of them did anything. Mm. So if both situations, because you, you know what was equally wrong to me? If yeah. I was... If I am not engaged, the other person is, and I'm trying to hook up with them or do something inappropriate with them. Beat the shit out of me. The fact that, like, Russell, the fat-ass loser in the fucking up costume or whatever, who was like, oh, he's already doing it. Time for them to have sex. He closed the door. There's nothing I can do now. While Haley's, like, borderline crying, like, you need to go get Elsa. Like, Elsa needs, to, like, we need to leave now. And he's, like, laughing about it almost. He's, like, hyping up his boy. Everyone told him that, that Elsa was engaged the whole night. That is a different, like... Elsa's the worst person in that situation. Um, Cusco is not much better. Uh, and Cusco's friends aren't much better either for not like putting him in the ground and like stopping him. Yeah, I would hope you that get you engaged in college folks. You don't, you don't want to do it. Or you do, but you just don't be a shitty person. That's it. Like every, like that yeah. was just, just shitty people. It's shitty people being shitty. I hated it, man. And I can't believe they, I was already so upset that they, they blamed me for it when they didn't know it was me or not. But the fact that in good conscience, Elsa knew it was not me and blamed me for it to Jason. Yeah, that's a bad thing to do. Super to messed do. up. Super duper messed up. Um, not a fan. And it, it, dude, it worries me because we talked about dating a little bit in the last podcast. And like, it genuinely worries me to date down here in the South because that sorority culture, that like brotherhood like mentality that these girls have where they just protect each other from doing inappropriate things like that. How can I have an honest to goodness relationship here? You know, I'm terrified. You know, I had the one high school relationship and I thought that was going to be the one thing for the rest of my life and I was wrong. I'm not going to have that relationship and that person uh, that person holds the, the qualities and character traits that I think are important. That's hard to find, like this, as in like loyalty, faithfulness, kindness, 
like caring. Um, a genuine version of that, I thought it was just, you know, maybe I just haven't met the right person. I'm starting to think it doesn't exist anymore, down here at least. Um, terrifies me a little it bit. It depends on the, the kind of culture, like the kind of, because the, the, the sorority thing, that's its own separate kind of culture like in yeah. and of itself. But um, yeah, some folks are just like uh, not that good. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, the environment. Especially how you describe those folks. Like I know, you know we have those in Alabama, like at the university. There's folks like that at every university. So, IDK. Yeah, well, Alabama University probably has ten times more of that than anything else. But definitely not yeah. to disparage sucks, that so. that university, but disparage upon no, no, that no, university. No. <laughs> like they're the worst. Um, the best university in the world. Truly, salt of the earth people. Not just the football team, and that's literally the only thing that matters to us. No, 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 no. no. No, we like everything about it. Uh, the good people, good food. I don't know what to say about that place. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was like a that weekend was just so weird for me because something happened before then, then that happened, and then I um, I haven't gone on dates in a really long time. I had a date with uh, this girl that seemed super nice, like seemed like a person that was morally reasonable. Because and, and I don't know if I'm ready to be dating right now either way. So I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna test the waters with this one. Uh, they seem really nice. They're really pretty. They're really kind. Gotten to know them a little bit on like texting and Snapchat. They seem super cool. And then I don't hear from them for a while. And my birthday rolls around and they they, they hit me up. Like they, t- they make an effort to talk to me on my birthday. And then we talk about like, hey, let's go get coffee. Cool. We set up we set up the date for uh, for that Sunday, Sunday after Halloween. And uh, um, I go to the coffee place to meet them. And they don't show up. So I got stood up. And then I uh, texted them and I was like, well, I texted them while I was there like, hey, when are you going to get here? Didn't respond for several hours. Eventually they respond like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. I uh, thought I cleared my schedule or I thought I, I thought I rescheduled with you and I guess I just did it in my head. I'm so, so sorry. And I was like, it's all good. Whatever. Uh, I take it as they're not interested and that's fine. Like I don't, obviously like, I don't, I'm not ready to be dating. So it's, it's cool. It works out. Um, and then they... <laughs> Uh, they, they, they're like texting me like okay do you have time this week and I was like I'm leaving to California so I don't really have time but um, she's like are you sure you don't have like a little while on Monday like I have time on Monday and I was like you know what let's do coffee on Monday and then an hour before they're like I just got called into work I'm so sorry why don't you just not like you don't have to go on a date like what the crap I don't understand it's like people the, the people are like conflicted on whether or not they want to make you they don't want to make you feel bad or make themselves seem bad, but at the same time, they don't want to commit to actually doing the good thing in the first place. Just, so yeah, just like, like, leave me alone. Oh my God. And I, I think it was that weekend of like, I, I was hitting the stride of like, am I ready to be dating again? And do I want to, or do I just want to take more time to myself? Cause I just, I don't see, there's nobody here that I know what it's, it feels like to, to see somebody and be like, I just want to spend the rest of my life with them. They seem like the most amazing person ever. And I haven't met anybody like that. So it's like, do I just want to wait till that person comes along instead of trying to date? And I was, I was battling with that. Right. And then I got to, to watch Elsa cheat on her fiance and then Abigail, uh, skipped out on their date. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, we're solid out here, bro. We're taking, we're taking our nice siesta from any of that stuff. What about you? You met anybody? Talked to anybody last couple of weeks? Obviously COVID quarantine. So no, <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> as, as you know, I just deleted my um my my dating app thing, um just because you know maybe it's just I need to get into a better mental space. Um, this whole COVID thing is just I just feel like crap all the time. Yeah, like all the time, like constantly, I just feel like even if I get stuff done, it's like oh you're not doing enough. Like 
I just, you know, I feel like kind of like I'm in purgatory almost where like I can't, I don't go anywhere. I do stuff, but I'm not really, I'm not really progressing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just got like super deep. No, no, no. But... Zay, Zay, I, I feel the same way. You know how much I've accomplished over this period of time and I still don't feel like I'm getting anything done. Truly. Yeah. And for yeah, it's me, just like, I think it's like mostly just like being in school and like, yeah, because life is kind of on pause until I'm like a real adult. So. Even even then, life still feels like it's on pause for a while. Like right now, for me, um, mental health wise, I I truly am not attempting to pursue a relationship in any capacity right now because I think that until I can get out of this house permanently, like no part of me lives here, none of my stuff is here. I'm totally a hundred percent out. I don't think I'm. I have enough of my mind to be able to properly commit and and be the kind of boyfriend that I'd like to be to a person. Cause right now I have this constant fear and this constant turmoil and a lot of anger always wrapped up in me and I can be fine for little spouts of time. Right. But I, I think it would be unfair of me to put that on somebody else right now, especially if in less than six months I'll be out and I will be in, in a great position to, to have a relationship or do anything like that. But for right now it is, it's not fair to, my future significant other, you know? Yeah, I totally understand that. It's kind of been like the way I felt kind of forever. <laughs> like not like, not like depressed or anything like that. It's just like, I get into my head sometimes. Like I think I'm like this uniquely bad, uniquely useless person. And this is, I know it's not true logically, but I just, you know, when yeah. your brain is like sending you all these negative messages, you can't really shut it off. Did we talk about so, that like, on the last podcast? So my therapist, exactly? my therapist and I talked about this, my most recent appointment, the appointment before that, um, there are these things called your core values and your core mm -hmm. values, or it's, it's, it's almost your core perception of life. So, um, I view myself as lazy, good for nothing, worthless and that everything I hear to the contrary of that is either false or I find some way to rationalize it as like not true um, versus everything that I think agrees with that. That is what I take in as fact. So you telling me, Hassan, you work harder than anyone I know. Um, I'm like, ah, it's just one thing Isaiah is just saying. He doesn't really mean he doesn't know anything. Um, but someone saying, Hassan, you're worthless and you're lazy. I'm like, that's true. Because anything that doesn't agree <laughs> with the narrative that I've created for myself uh, is false, which is insane. Mm -hmm. But that's a lot of what you're talking about, right? Just like... Yeah. And those voices just don't seem to stop sometimes. Yeah. And like, you know, I've been, I kind of put my hope in like outside factors. Like, okay, I'm going to go to college now and things are going to change when I go to college and when I move out of town. Like, now I'm going to join this group and things are going to change. Like, you know, it's just not a lot of uh, action and a lot of just hoping this, for things to happen on their own. Yeah. Have you thought and about like, getting I a therapist? Get out of that cycle. Um, I have. I'm probably going, probably going to do that. This Dude, I, I could not actually. recommend it more. And a lot of people are like, oh, you need some like glaring, ridiculous problem. You need to have suicidal thoughts or like massive full-blown depression. I started therapy, the, my new therapist, in February 14th of 2020. Like that was my first appointment with this new therapist. And um, mm -hmm. that point, my life could not have been better as far as my brain was concerned. I was talking to a girl that I was like, like, like the best girl I've ever known. I was like, that, that this is going great. Uh, everything's fantastic. I, I had great stuff going on at work. I could not have been more happy when I started therapy. And that was great because we got to set the tone almost for like what I want to be like. But then also that the fact that that happiness was shallow, you know, it, it was surface deep because you dug to the surface and there was still sadness there. Right. You know, talking to said girl, but not really, they don't really want to like, they want 
to be with me, but they don't want to be with me. And that, like, while I'm so focused on, oh, they're talking to me and this is great and we're FaceTiming, everything's cute and adorable. Um, I was ignoring the inherently like messed up part of that. But through therapy, you know, you got to the weeds of that. And, and then also like I had biological fathers send me a message on Facebook, things like that I wasn't expecting to happen. COVID happened during this. So I've been able to hit everything one by one and then, uh, you know, get deeper into it. I think I talked about it last time that, uh, or maybe I talked about this on episode one, that the new stuff I'm doing in therapy is less dealing with the day-to-day issues and more dealing with the repressed childhood traumas that have informed my self-perception a lot to the detriment of, of who, how I view myself almost. Um, and yeah, see, been, when I hear stuff like that, it's like, oh, Huston has all this childhood stuff that he like. When I'm not like, I've been fine, like materially, and like I have a good family and stuff. Like, I feel like there's no reason for me to not feel fulfilled. But, you'd think that, but like, yeah. was every part of your childhood fine? Like, like, like I'm not talking saying are your parents bad parents. That's not what I'm saying. It's that mm-hmm. you have made the statement that your parents didn't let you hang out with people. You weren't hanging out with people regularly outside of school. You didn't make proper relationships why was it why did that happen was it parents being overprotective was it you being actually antisocial? was it they forced you into a religion that you didn't necessarily believe in and over time you became more and more jaded so it's not necessarily like like me i got the complete and other shit beaten out of me in dubai and malaysia and was hospitalized several times by the beatings i would receive it's not that kind of bad parenting or not even bad parenting in general but it's how the effect of others has informed your perception of yourself. Who are you? Who I mean, do you want to be? I don't want to give give the impression that my parents were like suppressive or anything like no, that. No, they're they wonderful like people. I've met them. The opposite. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just it's it's like I don't know if it's me. If there's just something wrong with me. <laughs> no, like, you know, they, like, they, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm speaking. I'm not speaking logically right now. And I, I'm just like that's not. Lo- know, that's not illogically either. Like, there, it's feeling that way is so human. It's such. It's just part of it. It's part of feeling like, mm-hmm. dude, everything, I never feel like I'm a good enough person or that I'm in the right with anything. Like, I always feel like there's something inherently, when Anna canceled on me, you know what, you know what my feelings went to? Obviously, this isn't true. Um, well, they've all been hanging out together and they haven't been inviting me and they canceled one time they did invite me. They just don't like to have me around. Like, they don't like me. Like, I'm a bad person. I guess they think I'm a weirdo. I'm still kind of fucked up in the head. That's not true. It does make me feel better when I hear you say stuff like that, and when I hear you say stuff like you feel like useless, because I'm like, if Hassan is like this, <laughs> he's like so productive, all the, like always doing, like involved in stuff. Like maybe it's just like an illogical feeling. Yeah, maybe it's not actually no no basis in fact. Right, and and even if it's not basis in fact, it doesn't it doesn't help. Even it, your your yeah. emotional experience is different than your physical experience. Truly. Right. Um, that's why when you're texting people and some people say like, Hey, I'm not free today. And it's like, Hey, I'm not free today. And then other people's like, Hey, I'm not free today. And you could never tell the difference, but based on what's happening up here, your emotional experience, that it's how you read that text message back, you know, it's the whole tone. Yeah. yeah. It's all tone. And, uh, that's so interesting. But you're not alone in feeling that way though. I can't stress that enough. And also the whole, like, you know, making changes like I'm making positive strides right now towards becoming the man that I want to be so I can have the life that I think I I deserve at this point Um, and give the people that I love the life that they deserve. But I'm so far from there yet. I'm just taking positive steps now. And one of the bigger hurdles that I'm going to have to jump over and eventually you're going to have to jump over is not allowing our perception, our negativistic perceptions of ourselves affect who we actually are because it's just not true. I'm not lazy. 
You're not unlikable and weird and unsociable. Uh, you know, nobody hates me. I think the world hates me, but nobody actually hates me. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure even the people who are like out of my life now, like the, like the most negative experiences I've ever had, they probably still love me. You know, we just can't be around each other anymore kind of thing. Like, like so many friendships like that and things of that nature have happened. Um, therapy. I couldn't recommend it more. I can honestly, I can give you my therapist information too. They, they're renovating. They actually now have three office suites. So, uh, she's available way more often. So if you want to get the same therapist as me, that could be dope. Um, honestly, <laughs> yeah. do it, bro. cause they also have so much background on you already. <laughs> I nice. talk about, I talk about how much you fuck me up all the time, man. They, uh, <laughs> Isaiah made me cry this week. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Always. Um, I love abusing. I lo you know, what's so interesting. Yeah. My sister is, she grew up in the same house as me. I obviously experienced far more of the trauma than she did. She left earlier. Like she went to college. I never left. And on top of that, she was a girl and I was a guy. So I got, I got the brunt of the beatings and stuff like that. Um, she likes to think that she's not traumatized and doesn't need therapy. And every time I'll bring it up, she's like, Hassan, you're the one who's messed up. Like literally that's all you like. I was fine. That's a you problem. I don't need to be in therapy like you do. And, uh, I don't, obviously I want my sister to, to do great and I never want anything bad to happen to her. I can't wait till that house of cards falls on her and she goes to therapy <laughs> and finally gets the help that she needs. Good God. There's so many little things that have just colored the way that I live my life and how I see myself and all that. Imagine like yeah. instead of, you know, your dad saying, Isaiah, you're a champ, man. Good on you. I'm so proud of you. They're like, fuck you, Isaiah. You're a piece of shit. You're never going to be anything more than your biological father who's also a piece of shit. You're going to die. You're pathetic. You're a loser. Um, recently, I had a parent had the audacity to say that one day I will hit my wife and kids the way that they have hit. And, and oh, man, you ever seen me angry? <laughs> that unleashed a very specific anger inside of me because I would never lay a finger. Dude, if my wife wants to spank my kid, I will allow it, but they, I will never do it. They can do that. And if I think for one second they have hit them and not spanked them to teach them a lesson, if they've actually physically harmed them for anything other than I'm trying to teach them a lesson, I will get a divorce on site. I don't care how much I love this person. The safety of my child is the number one thing. Parents are not obligated to buy their kids fancy things and give them nice clothes and, and honestly even feed them regularly. But the one thing that they are 100% obligated to do, make their child feel safe. I think that's the one thing that inherently in my childhood was lacking. That despite all the things, the luxuries that I have, I never felt truly safe. And I just can't wait till I get to be a father and get to make my child feel safe and protected. And my wife feels so loved and special and important and protected and all these things that I just never got those, to experience. Uh, those comments about like how you would be, did that like channel like some kind of fear? Yeah. That you might actually end up like that. Dude, I, my, my therapist has had to get me off this cause I'm so more, I'm mortified, dude. My biological father is a rapist. Like he is a legitimate sex offender. I am not a child of some beautiful short lived love affair. I am the child of the most heinous crime that you can commit on this earth. Um, that is where I come from and to be constantly compared to it. And he, he was two, he was, he was three things. He was a rapist. He was a liar and he was a con artist. That is that is what my, my uncle used to say. And, and as a kid, he'd say, oh, you're going to grow up to be a con artist just like your dad. And it's like joking comments, I guess, from my uncle who makes off-color jokes. And my mom latched onto that. And throughout so much of my childhood was me being told that I'm going to end up like those people. So when I grew up to find out that I'm a really good actor, 
Like I'm a really talented storyteller and stuff like that. The fear of like, oh my God, I, I should not work on this skill and this talent and push for it because it is just lying. I'm just a liar. But I don't, I don't lie maliciously. You know, like I don't lie to hurt other people. Like I don't lie at all, really. But the fact that there's so many little things, um, you know, you're, you're a little kid and you discover pornography or something like that or whatever. Like you look up something like that and it is so, you got to be so careful with how you handle your kids. I'm terrified of how I'm eventually gonna have to handle my kid and that whole thing of like that whole subject, you know, Jesus. but it's not something to make your kids fucking like ashamed of and disgust, but that's like the very Christian mentality of whatever. Like you make them ashamed of, of anything that regards pleasure and, and stuff like that. But, um, it was even worse for me because when that happened to me, I was probably like 13, 12, however old I was very young when I like discovered porn or whatever. And then I, you know, had a parent look at my search history or whatever it was, the amount of abusive shame I received. And it's just like, that's what you're, you're just like your real father. He'd sit all day at home and he'd watch porn. He wouldn't get any work done. He's fucking disgusting. And you're going to be just like that. Look at you. You're on this path. So I thought what I was doing was so disgusting and horrible. Porn is like one of the biggest media industries. Obviously, that's not paid for by me. Like, I don't watch porn, truly. I don't even watch it anymore. Um, but, like, that is a legitimate thing that it, it was beat into my fucking brain, you know? Really terrible. You, you look yeah. so shocked. Oh, my God. No, Did no. I go too far? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no. I like hearing about this kind of stuff. It's like, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dark. It makes me feel uh, very... Makes me feel better about you could say it. it makes uh, you feel better about yourself. It makes me feel better about <laughs> not not about myself, but just about, like about my my situation, like my family and stuff like that. Yeah, because you know, because a lot of folks aren't as fortunate as I am to have folks that are like genuinely supportive and yeah. Well, it's not it's care not, about what you, like what you do and like your future and stuff like. It's that. not like my mom's unsupportive or doesn't care about my future. She does. She cares so much. It's just that the damage is done and there's perception of realities that are permanent and cemented. I won't speak to the quality of my stepdad. He can go die. I don't really care. But uh, my mother. It's different. It's a different story altogether. I won't get into that on the podcast, but she's a, a truly wonderful, wonderful human being that has been through. <laughs> My life is good. I think it's net good, but I've been through a lot of trauma to make it net good. And her trauma didn't really make her life good. She made life better for other people like me and my sister. But, um, and it was a lot worse trauma, you know, uh, it is, it's dark. It's it's a really uncomfortable thing to talk about. And I've only recently, you know, I feel comfortable enough to speak on it in, in, in a capacity now because I think I can articulate it very, very well. But there's a lot of things of like general manipulation and stuff that happens in this household that I'm just trying so hard to get away from. Um, I stopped going to church for a really long time. And it was because I would tell people at St. Mark that um, like about what was happening at home, that like I had a really difficult home life. Uh, things about my mom that were that were true, 100% true things. And uh, someone at the church told my mom all the things that I said. And my mom wouldn't tell me who, but she would quote things that I was saying at church. And and when, when she hears things, she's got this really warped sense of reality. So like none of it is actually the truth and it's all kind of whatever. And, um, but like I stopped going to church because I couldn't trust people. Now I go to church, but I don't, I don't talk to people anymore that much because I'm uncomfortable and I, and I don't trust them anymore. And that's forever. Nothing is ever going to make me trust these people again, um, and it damaged like, like the like the Game of Thrones uh, like Tyrion thing where you like tell someone like three different lies and you can see which lie makes it back. Oh my god! Right back to the person. Uh could, I should do that, um, but I just don't care enough. But it, it really like that is what ruined because from 
2017 forward, I was on a pretty good religious track. And then like mm. all the whole of 2018, 19, I just wasn't at church at all anymore. You know? mm. um, and that had its benefits and its detriments and whatever. I'm actually going to church uh, tomorrow for the first time in a while. I had to sign up and reserve a spot because it's like it's COVID. COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what that looks like. Um, and that service is going to be. But yeah, a lot of deep, dark stuff right there, man. Whoa. <laughs> Do you have questions for me? Concerns? Comments? I think I think we've uh, <laughs> we've uh, struck enough with you this time around. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start some stuff uh, with you, man. Let's let's get into your traumas. What's the worst traumas. thing? What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Jesus, I I don't know the answer to that question for me. So I gotta think about that one. Uh, or just name a thing that happened to you that is just complete and utterly. But dude, you know what we didn't talk about this whole pod. We didn't talk about uh, growing up in Hoover City Schools and having them take us to. to um, we we have eight minutes left, but I think we I think we could do the story in eight minutes. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's so, do it. Uh, in the fifth grade, in all Hoover City Schools, you go on this camp trip, and it's like three days. You go to a, a camp like there's three of them. I think it's Camp World Song, Camp Something, Camp Cosby. I went to Camp Cosby. Isaiah also went to Camp Cosby, and uh, on this three day vacation trip, just. Out of nowhere, we're, we're eating breakfast, and then, uh, you know, a guy walks in with a fake gun, or a, a gun with blanks in it, shoots in the yeah. air, and then all of a sudden, all the kids are in the Underground Railroad. Yes, and so they... we're all slaves. They're, like, really, in, they insult you, they, like, like scare you, and, like, like first of all, like, there's, like, a guy, he's, like, a terrorist, right? Like, he's, like, shooting like the blanks, and then, like, another guy comes in, he's like, oh, God, I'm, I'll stop you, and then he, like, shoots him. <laughs> yeah and we're all like fifth graders right Dude, we're, we're like, literal that, fifth graders and and like i guess the experience is marketed as we're gonna show you guys firsthand what the underground railroad's like why yeah. what the fuck <laughs> what's the point <laughs> so, so we, we we follow after the other guy and he was like we i guess we can like we're supposed to trust them and these are all like our camp counselors who have been with us and now they're like acting it's crazy. So, like, we follow them through, like, the woods and stuff, and then, like, we have different encounters where, like, the slavers take us, and then it's just awful. It's, I, and apparently, we didn't even have the worst. Like, my brother has, like, even more horror stories about the his experience with the, like... Yeah, back during your brother's time, brother. they would pick one black kid, yeah. and he would actually become the slave of the camp after that. <laughs> it's you, boy. <laughs> That's who's been serving your food all week. It's the black kids from <laughs> Underground yes. Railroads. We think they're just domestic. We think they're just workers, but they're actually slaves. <laughs> Dude, they taught us like Negro spirituals to sing while we're on this railroad. Jesus Christ. That's cr so cringy to think about. Coming home to Lord Jesus. And it's like, dude, what is happening? Jesus. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, but yeah. What? It's, like, it's like an episode of South Park, honestly. Dude, <laughs> like was, oh, why was that a real. thing? Well, there's that, right? And then we used to go to Old Baker's Farm in kindergarten, right? And they hyped up how much fun it's going to be. We get to go to pumpkin patches, and here's the biggest highlight. You get to go in the cotton fields cotton. and pick as much cotton as you want, man. So it's me and, like, three other black kids. Like, ah, oh, we're filling our pockets with cotton. Yeah. Like, what does that's, that look I like? <laughs> believe if my parents would have known. They would have never let me do this. Dude, my boy, my boy Ellis Conwell, one of the, the coolest guys I knew back in the day. I don't know what he's doing now. I need to look him up because I really used to like him. Mm. The last time I saw him was when we went to go see the first Spider-Man Tom Holland movie in summer 2017. And I was about to pay for my ticket and popcorn. And Ellis goes, 
I got you, dude. Pulls out the 3D IMAX glasses, gives me a bu- bucket of popcorn for free. I just got to walk in there. You guys are all looking at me like, what the fuck, Hudson? What? And I was just like, I don't know, man. I just got connections. Um, but Ellis is a really cool guy. And he was a good close friend of mine in elementary school. And I, I just have this picture in my head. I remember watching Ellis, this black kid, just picking cotton. <laughs> like, what? Just, there's so many. Like, when we write our show, that's going to be, like, one of the things that, that yeah. happens. I don't know how we're going to have it, like, a show about elementary school kids <laughs> going to freaking... Oh, my God. If you could get good enough actors. Did you ever watch the movie? Um, It's, like, it's called Something Boys. Um, good Boys? Good Boys. Good Boys. Something Super like that, funny. Yeah. Super funny. Stars a bunch of, like nine ten year olds so like they couldn't even legally watch the movie that they're in and uh yeah they act like little kids and it's so funny and i think it captures actually it's a seth rogan movie and i watched it over quarantine it's on amazon prime um if you could get a cast of really well-rounded kids and be able to tell that story but the issue is that you don't you covid would happen and would destroy the the the, the what do you call it integrity of that show because the kids would age kids between the ages of fucking four and ten are just like growing twice in size every other week it's crazy It'd have to be like a um, like a like an episode of a show or something. Yeah, well, I, I think you do flashback episodes like and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, goddamn. It's just so weird. There's so many things from the elementary school days. Also, teachers looking back, yo, Miss Gregory, you're a racist. <laughs> you're a legitimately also, racist bad person because she used to fucking um, she used to pick three black kids and then me, and we would get time out constantly and i would never do like i was a weird quiet kid so i wouldn't really do anything wrong but you'd have um and i don't think connor burger connor's a friend of mine would, would care connor would like do something inappropriate take his pants off in class whatever and nobody would say anything of it miss gregory wouldn't care brandon diviner underwood however would just laugh really loud brandon 10 minutes and it's like retrospectively like i can look at that as an adult now and i know which kid she was picking out um i remember a kid sobbing because she couldn't speak English. She was like a transfer student from China or something like that. And Miss Gregory just made it all the worse for her. Um, her nephew would come. I used to stay after school for tutoring uh, with another teacher that was across the hall, Miss Powell. Miss Powell is a wonderful, wonderful human being and she deserves nothing but the world. Um, I hope she's doing great. But Miss Powell was my tutor. And uh, I would stay for a little while after. Miss Powell would take like 20 minutes to get ready, wrap up everything. And I'd hang out with Miss Gregory's uh, nephew. And her nephew's name was Caden, really sweet kid. We were we were super tight, and uh, I used to like make him laugh. And I was like, I was just, I was a good kid back in the day. And I remember Caden came during school, like school hours at one point. And uh, Miss Gregory, like he didn't know my name because he's a little kid, and he's like, "Oh, is this the the nice boy you talked about? This great boy he pulls up Andrew Edwards, like is this the boy?" And then he goes, "No, that's my friend," and runs up to give me a hug. And you can see the look on Miss Gregory's face, like, "Oh my god, it's him." <laughs> I also think Miss Gregory thought I was going to grow up to be really ugly, and uh, I was a peer helper senior year, and I went to the school that she now is a vice principal of, and I think she just looked at me and she like had whiplash. She was like, you're, really? It's you? Which is like, fuck you guys, man. Fuck you guys. Yes, I grew up to be mildly good looking. What do you want from me? I took care of myself. I'm less weird now. Dude, yeah, there's stuff like that, just... I don't know. Teachers sucked back in the day. It was just weird. The, the vibes were very weird. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of weird racist stuff. <laughs> um, at one point, so I was a Muslim, and I would only eat halal meat, which means I couldn't eat meat, period, at school whatsoever. And I used to, you know, halal and haram are the words used. Haram is bad. Halal is good. Um, pork is always haram across the board. So I used to think I can't eat pork. And in my head, I was a little kid. I was in second grade. I thought pork meant all meat, right? Like I can't eat any meat. 
Um, so I asked the lunch lady, hey, I can't eat pork. She gives me a turkey sandwich. I don't know any better. It's a field trip day. It goes into the, the sack lunch bin, and then we're all sitting around eating it, and I take a bite, like, oh, no, I can't eat this. Like, I realize what it is. I can't eat it. And then my second grade teacher, uh, Kelly Sides, I'm going to name drop, forced me to eat that sandwich, which was against my religion, against my beliefs, and forced me to eat the entire <laughs> turkey sandwich. Uh, fast forward to the future, and I had to work with her husband pretty recently, and he was a piece of shit. Realtor. Like, he was, like, one of the... The most uncomfortable situations of all time. I love that the world came full circle and that worked out that way. But um, I'll not confirm or deny any of the <laughs> the things that you say here on this podcast. What? What do you mean um, you won't confirm nor deny them, man? Down, down, day. That's you stuff right there. Bro. <laughs> you think you think some random sure. second grade teacher is going to come after you for being a guest on my podcast where hey. I disparage them and their quality of care? I'll also say I will give it to Miss Miss Sides. Maybe she just didn't know. Like in her mind, yeah, it's I a mean, kid that is ignorance eating. Ignorance is like a lot of the the problems when it comes to like. There's obviously like outright hatred. Yeah, like, I don't think she hates it. Like I literally, here, I think but. that the vibe was that she just didn't know, and had she known, she would not have forced me to eat that sandwich. You know, but mm. she did. And also, had you known, it would have been like not a problem. <laughs> yeah, no. Had I just gotten a PB and J, I love PB and Js, man. I don't mm-hmm. even now that I do eat meat because I'm not Muslim anymore. I hate turkey sandwiches, bro. They are not good. Turkey's like the driest, coldest weakest meat on the in the the menu truly that said in my head right now i my stomach is crumbled i want to go eat turkey leftovers from thanksgiving <laughs> and we're right at an hour and 20 look at us so guys this has been the bad days podcast you know what the the, the whole spiel is 100 bad days made 100 good stories thank you for hanging out with us and listening to some of our bad days and good stories isaiah um do you want to plug any of your stuff you want people to follow you on anything Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, and going forward, guys, it's going to be me and Zay, uh, hopefully for the foreseeable future until I get a better cast member. But all right. I love you guys, and I will love see y'all. you next time.